Well, it's been a week. Actually, it's been two weeks since we've had our last podcast. And last last week was kind of a wild one. And the fact that uh, myself and two of the sales guys from Chaffee got to go and experience uh, something that we really didn't know what we were getting in the middle of. We went to Weatherford, Texas and hung out with top uh, some of the top contenders in the PRCA for saddle bronc riding and bareback riding. We went over there to watch um, a really cool guy, Bert Kuntz, uh, decide that he was going to become the world's greatest saddle bronc rider ever, even though he had never been on a bucking horse. And uh, so we went over there to support him and, and, and meet some really neat people. It turned into being this big conglomerate of who's who in the rodeo world and got to make some amazing connections. But unfortunately, we didn't get to get onto the podcast. And in the, in the interim, um, it seems like 2020 said, Hey, you haven't seen enough yet. Let's go ahead and switch this thing into high gear. And we've seen some, um, extreme tragedies happen across the country. And it was all stemmed from one reason, which everybody is well aware of. And and Mr. Floyd's death is something that is heavy on everybody's mind at the same time, the way that people have, have reacted to that is something that's also uh, really caused a ripple effect across the country. And I wanted to start off this podcast by saying that, that my uh, thoughts and prayers are with, uh, everybody in the fact that I'm praying that we find a common ground solution to what makes America great and what makes America the land of the free again. And the fact that there's so many groups that feel like they're still uh, oppressed and how do we bring those people out is going to be a topic that I'm sure we're going to cover in the next weeks to come. Uh, we've had a lot of people reach out to a post that I've had um, trying to get some people that really understand those dynamics together And we're going to get them out here to the farm to get on the podcast. We just wanted to take a couple quick seconds to thank some of our sponsors. One of our sponsors and a sponsor of mine for a long time has been Walls. Walls Outdoor Wear. Absolutely amazing product. I personally love their ditch digger pants. I know it's starting to get a little bit warm, but at the same time, those pants breathe amazingly well. They're super comfortable and they fit you, especially if you have a dad bod like me. If you want any more information about Walls Outdoor Wear, you can go to walls.com. Tell them Jay sent you. This podcast is sponsored by Chaffee, world-class alfalfa. Chaffee is grown in the shadows of the Guadalupe Mountains, the highest peak in the state of Texas. Our unique climate offers cool nights, warm days, and allows us to grow some of the finest forage on the face of the planet. For more information about Chaffee, please visit www.chaffee.com. Uh, but without further ado, in agriculture, it seems like there's some pretty big stereotypes and, and, and a lot of the younger generation or my generation that's actively involved on social media is doing the best that we can to go ahead and break some of those stereotypes. And at the same time, uh, a lot of America and a lot of the world still portrays a farmer as a person standing in a field with a pair of overalls on uh, with a pitchfork. And, uh, and the thing that I love about where we're at in agriculture is that we have we have gotten ourselves to a part. Our farm has gotten to a point where we've got just all walks of life, um, all nationalities. I mean, there's so many dynamic people that we get to interact with on a day to day basis. And it is absolutely amazing. If you don't follow along on Instagram, uh, you, you need to just check out all these guys and girls because they're so amazing and they are intricate to um, continuing to grow what we want to achieve and uh, and so part of that conversation is two guys that are joining me today. Uh, also, I've got MJ in, and it's been a while. MJ's our GM at, at, at Chaffee, and and you've been pretty busy here since it's production season. Yeah, it's been been a 
pretty busy couple months. You were talking that uh, you're a little bit rusty, but the nice thing is, is you got a great voice for radio. I didn't, didn't, didn't comment on your face, but it, at the same time, your voice is perfect for a podcast. Thank you for that compliment. You're, I appreciate it. You know what? I'm just giving them out like free chickens on Sunday morning. It's kind of how I roll. I, I don't know what that means either. Anyways, sitting right next to you, that's got this nervous twitch. You can tell he's nervous in the, in the guy. Like I've never, I, I've known him for eight years now and he's not a very nervous person, but it's something about putting a mic in front of his face. You know, you can tell there's a little bit of anxiety going on. It's my brother-in-law. My wife's brother is, uh, is displaced from the coronavirus, and uh, he happened to bring an amigo with him. And, and I'm going to go into my thought process after you tell us a little bit of the story, tell us who you are, Nate, and, and, and tell us, you know, why you're doing what you're doing. And remember, you know, you're doing some pretty intricate things. You got to break it down into layman terms so that I understand what you do. Okay. So live in Albuquerque, going to UNM for civil engineering. Uh, What made you pick civil engineering? Originally just construction really fascinated me, all parts about it. I just wanted to be in it, kind of go to the top with it as far as I could. So kind of started out with that. So when you say you want to go to the top, and I think it's important for, for me to paint a picture for all of you guys listening to, um, we're, we're talking to two guys that are under the age of 30, um, two guys that have, have come from two completely different walks, um, met in college. At the same time, Nate, uh, it took you a while to figure out what you wanted to do. You didn't go to college for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you essentially... Would you identify with being a hardcore millennial? No. Oh, Ooh, kicked it back into the court. So also what's the new gener- generation X Z generation Z, right? Yeah. They're taking over more of that, that bad rap okay, away so, from the millennials, I think. Okay. So, so you're living in Albuquerque. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a job. I do. What is your job in Albuquerque? So I work for a really interesting guy, Doug Wolf, Wolf Engineering. He's an environmental and a civil engineer. He's been on the Rio Grande working on the water for the past 20 years or so. So we basically go up and down the Rio Grande uh, collecting data, surveying different cross sections across the river, monitoring flow, um, water levels, sediment deposition, monitoring the overbanks. You know, there's this. What's an overbank? Um, so you have your river, river channel and then you kind of have your over the, the actual bank of the river. It's kind of a floodplain, um, all the way up until the levee. And if you're from Cruces area, like myself, you're pretty familiar with the levees. Yeah. Right. So that was the way you got away from the cops. Exactly. <laughs> so kind of anything in between the levees, that's our territory. Um, the Bureau of Reclamation is basically just monitoring water levels constantly. And there's stretch of the Rio Grande between it's a little north of Socorro down to uh, Elephant Butte, if you're familiar with that area. So you're talking central New Mexico in the middle of the Rio Grande River. Middle of the Rio Grande River. Okay. Yeah. And and you enjoy that job? I do. Yeah, I'm walking so you, through the river, up and down it all day, kayaking and uh, some heavy water flows. And you're an outdoors kind of guy. You, 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 you enjoy the outdoors. You like hiking and camping and fishing and hunting. Absolutely. So, so that's kind that, of a good fit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you, do you feel that your education is aiding you in what you're doing right now? I do. Yeah. 
Are you getting uh, practical? Are, are you learning practical things that you think will help you in business? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's been a long journey going through school, but it'll pay off. It's I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to learn more applicable things in class, taking it to the field. Overall, I probably learned more from the field for my specific job, but you know, I can take a few things away. Okay. And, and so Corona starts to creep in January, February is getting a little bit crazier. March it's lockdown time. Like we're, we're going into quarantine. Um, and I'm sitting on the couch and Katie, my wife is talking to you and you were just explaining that your job was on hold and that you were shelled up and you were held up into your apartment. Yes. And so I told Katie, I said, why don't you just tell Nate to go ahead and come on down to the farm? Yep. Got that phone call. And at first I was a little taken back. I was like, man, I don't know why I haven't thought about that. Just go out to Dell city. And, uh, you know, my boss still was going to try and get me some work. We didn't have any jobs coming in, but he was going to try and get me going. And so now would you be, would you be capable of, of filing for unemployment? Would you have been, you were part-time though, weren't you? Yeah, I would have been part time. So honestly, unemployment never even crossed my mind. Mm-hmm. That wasn't going to be an option for me. I wanted to work. I was excited to work. I was excited to get those hours. So <laughs> I've gotten them out here. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we get to the trip of you, you coming out, you're like, Hey, I've got a buddy that wants to come. And so the first thing I think of, so Nate worked at a brewery. Um, he, not to give a bad rap to millennials because I'm a millennial, but at the same time, you know, you, you're absolutely, I'm not that old. So if we're talking about where, where you're at in life, you're an older end of the college spectrum, Hmm. but you still enjoy the college lifestyle. So you enjoy going to a bar and having drinks. And I I, I like that too, but I'm not in college. Uh, But, but at the same time, you, you had a lot of freedom. And so you were able to, you know, if, if you didn't have work that next day and, and you didn't have class, you could wake up late or, you know, you had a, a lot of freedom in that. Mm-hmm. And did the thought ever cross your mind about losing that freedom by coming out and working with your brother-in-law? Well, I mean, I, I came out here with the understanding that there was no freedom. So. Well, that was a, that was a heavy, that was a heavy hammer. No freedom. No freedom. MJ, do you feel like you have freedom? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. You've been here two and a half years. Been here two and a half years, but I, I feel like I get to make my own decisions. That's true. You're your own man. I try to be. Okay. I got you. So you call and you're like, you're like, Hey man, I, I really appreciate it that you gave me the offer to come down to the farm, but I've got a buddy that is kind of in the same deal. He works at, at, at a uh, brewery and um, he's a really good dude. And I want to bring him out there. And I'm like, okay. Uh, first of all, let's talk about what I'm thinking in my mind. What do you, what do you think was going through my mind, MJ? That you were going to regret the decisions that you'd made. Because we've done this before. Where yeah. We've brought people out and we're like, you know, we want to give you a chance. And then they just, they don't want to work. And I'm like, I'm like, well, and they drag everybody else down with them. But at the same time, I didn't want Nate living in a house by himself. And I didn't want him just being out here being like, oh, my gosh, all I do is rake hay and drive trucks. And it's just work and sleep and it's not enjoyable. So when he offered, you know, Calvin to come down, I was like, all right, 
and let's let's bring him down and let's just kind of see what what's going to happen uh in the back of my mind you know i'm thinking that there's a high probability of failure that it just wasn't going to work out enters the scene of calvin calvin give us a little background on who you are well hello everybody hey um so when nate gave me the call i was six pack too deep okay and uh i told him on the phone yeah heck yeah that's you know that's the only work I got right now. Let's do it. And uh, the next day I was kind of thinking to myself like, oh man, cause I've, I've done a little bit of work on a farm, bucking hay. And bucking uh, hay bales. Bucking hay bales. So where were you bucking hay bales at? Where was that in your life? In Kansas, in between my first college stint and joining the military. Between the college and military. Again, thank you for your service. Thank you. And you need to get into that. And, um, but so I had a little experience. I knew that it's long hours. A lot of work. Um, but in 2020, I've been trying to keep to my word. If I say I'm going to do something, regardless of how many beers deep I am, I'm going to do it. So the next day, Nate called me again, or maybe it was a couple of days later and said, yeah, are you really in? I said, for sure. Let's go do this. And it's been one of the best decisions that, that I've made in the last three years since I got out. So so walk us through, what's your major at UNM? Uh, I'm majoring in radiological sciences with a concentration in nuclear medicine. Bless you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When you told us that the first time, I remember because you guys, when you first got here, you worked under my brother Ross in irrigation. And I mean, you've been all over the farm. You've done all kinds of things. But at the same time, I just remember watching Ross's eyes roll back in his head. And he's like, (laughs) what? Why are these guys here? Ross likes you, Bill. But at the same time, he had the same concerns that I had. So you, you did a stint in the military. Yes. How, how long? Five years. Five years. And what did you do in the military? I was a Navy corpsman, so medical. Okay, medical. And and some of the stories that you've told me, they're, they're not kosher for the podcast. <laughs> and thank you for scarring my brain. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So so you roll out. You've never been to Del City? No, never been to Del City. Yeah. So you, you roll into the valley, you and the dog, and your car full of your personal belongings. And uh, what's your first... What's your first thought? My first thought was, I didn't know if anybody actually lived here. I mean, look at a lot of the buildings and um, I mean, it looks like a lot of towns in West Texas and Southern New Mexico that when you drive through, it's really hard to tell what do people do here? How do, how do they survive? Mm-hmm. And, and so, so you get moved in and you're up, you're up at 16 and there's some houses up there and some of the local guys that work here on the farm, they all live there. The first person we meet is Abuela. Oh, she's fantastic. I mean, absolutely amazing. The best cook in the whole entire world. And uh, and I saw something when we got up there and the guys were unpacking the stuff out of their truck. And and one of the guys that works for, or two of the guys that work for us, their mother lives with one of them. And um, she's the sweetest lady in the world. But I instantly saw that you guys saw that there's good people. and And so there was a connection there already, you know, How's your Spanish before you got here? No bueno. How's your Spanish after you're leaving? Semi bueno. Okay. <laughs> but at the same at the same time, you know, it kind of I think that kind of softened a little bit of the blow and the shock for you guys to come in. And I'm going to go ahead and, and and fast forward a little bit. You guys have brought a whole new level of excitement to the team. The fact that you walk us through what what your experience has been. And, and what I want to accomplish in, in talking to you too is what, what are you taking away from what you've been here for two and a half months? 
about two and a half months. So you've been on the farm for two and a half months. What are some of the realities that slapped you in the face? And what are some of the takeaways that you think people truly don't understand? So starting, starting off with that, Calvin, what was your, what was the main thing that you did while you were out here? I guess the main thing we did was, uh, I guess I'd say Ray K. That was our biggest responsibility while we were here. So, so walk us through when you start, when you stop, what you do, who you talk to. So anywhere from two to four in the morning, some days we don't know if we're going to get called. So just waiting on a phone call. And uh, when you get it, when the moisture's right in the hay, got to hurry up and get out there on the rakes. And it's you and, and four other guys. Me, Nate, and yeah, rotating crew of some other guys. Right. And you just drive in circles and rake hay together. Drive in circles, getting that green wave. <laughs> right, the green wave. I'm pretty sure that a CBD company would probably want to use that line Sunshine for sale. In the back. Yeah. So, so Nate, you're you're moved in. You and and Calvin are fixing leaks. You're you're um, learning about drip systems. You're raking hay. You're driving semis. I think one of the first things we did is the three of us got in a single cab semi and we started crunching through the gears. And uh, and I'm not a very good teacher. I just am kind of like you. Just do this, 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 and this. And then you go do it. And as I've learned very rapidly on how that all works, but to, to kind of move our question over a little bit and, and what I asked you, Calvin, keep building on that. MJ, what is the normal thought process with somebody when they come to the farm for the first time? I think the thought process the first time they come to the farm is that it's going to be a lot easier than it actually is. And it's going to be less time consuming than it actually takes. A lot of people, at least that I interview, are surprised at the hours and the days that they're going to have to put in to work for the company. Mm -hmm. And then Nate, you grew up, you didn't grow up, but I mean, the last eight years that I've known you, you know, you've come down to the farm and we've driven around and we've looked at things. What were some of the things that you had in your mind of what you thought the farm was going to be like and that were different? And I guess the, uh, the drip system. So explain that. Why, what, what's, what's. The drip was kind of new to me. Um, me and Calvin kind of jumped right into that. Aside from cleaning nozzles. Right. Um, the drip system is takes a lot of maintenance and upkeep. Mm-hmm. We've we found out mainly because of gophers. I hate them. Hate gophers. Yeah, tearing holes in it. So get mm-hmm. in there, dig them up, fix it. But just kind of learning the the whole layout of the system, all the main lines, the sand filtration system. It's just a really cool process. I'm talking about a per- the perception that you had of what agriculture was like, though. Not just a specific job. Like when you came out here, is there things that just stood out to you that you were like, I had no idea that this happens like this? I would say the amount of teamwork that you guys put in out here. So the overall production, it's a huge production out here. How many acres are we farming? 15,000 plus. 15,000 plus. So the rake crew having five guys get out and rakes and we're all in the same field at the same time, working together, make sure we get all the hay cleaned up correctly make it nice, make it easy for the balers to come through, pick that up. And then you have the baling crew coming in behind you, the semis, you know, coming into the fields to load hay out of there with Salome or whoever's on the loader. 
just a really big team effort. And uh, I guess that was kind of the biggest surprising thing. Is there anything that, I mean, you have had lots of talks about GMO and non-GMO and, and the way things are done on a farm. Are there things that stand out to you now that you're like, Oh, that makes more sense or that makes less sense. Um, not really. Yeah. Calvin, how about you? So, so, I mean, you bucked a little bit of hay, but you weren't a part of a, of an operation like this. What, what were you thinking and what, what changed? So I guess I really didn't know what to think. I mean, I knew it was going to be long hours. I knew it was going to be hard work. Um, but besides, like you said, the stereotypical thought of a farmer with a pitchfork doing, sitting on a track, I didn't even know what the tractors did. You just sat there and drove around, I would, you know, learning about the implements and, um, I guess the big thing to me is the importance of uh, water management, when water has to be turned on, making sure that the water is getting where it needs to be, because um, that's what makes everything grow. So so a lot of people, and if, if you're familiar with agriculture, um, and that's not new and great to you, but at the same time, if, if you're not a person that grew up around farming or we live in an arid climate, if it does not get water applied to it by a mechanical means, then it doesn't grow here. Um, and so for us to be able to utilize that precious resource and be able to put it onto something that is going to grow and going to be able to sustain lives uh, from employees to the people that it actually feeds, maybe through a cow or through uh, a process, it's really, really difficult for us to make sure that we are we're getting into a field, we're cutting it, we're raking it, we're baling it, we're hauling it. We're fertilizing it. We're checking for weeds and bugs. And then we're applying the water at the right time at the right amount to make sure that that crop has every benefit to grow so that we're not just wasting water and we're still wasting water. I mean, there's still things that, that happen that, that we have got to continually change, but that perception that you had too, that you didn't understand that this, this many things go on, you know, what are the beer over a beer conversations going to be when you go back to Albuquerque in, in a day? Um, man, I don't know. I mean, there's so much specific stuff that we've learned here that, you know, unless you've done it with your own hands, it's going to be you know, hard to talk to our friends in Albuquerque about. Um, See, they'll, they'll probably get tired of hearing about how much fun we've had over the past <laughs> two months while they all been sitting inside being quarantined, right? Right. So, so the one thing is that, that I keep falling back on, and this is not me trying to insult either one of you. This is, this is, when, when somebody puts a picture in their head of what a college student really does today, you know, and the fact that I was shocked at how hard you work and how passionate you were about your job and the fact that you cared and you wanted to do a good job about it. Do you think that there is still a mass of people that are surrounding that you're surrounding yourself in a circle that would do the same thing that you did? Or do you think a lot of people take the whole process for granted? Nate? Anybody that I know that I am close with, I think would have that work ethic. And that's one of the reasons that me and Calvin connected and we're such good friends is because of his work ethic. And, you know, we're very similar. Yeah. So there's a big group of people. Sure. That wouldn't even dare to think about coming out here, but mm-hmm. I like to associate with people who I think would. Calvin. Yeah. I could the same at uh, sentiments. Um, most of the people that we surround ourselves with in Albuquerque are, um, very hardworking people. It's one of the things that I value most in someone is, is their work ethic and their ability to accomplish things. And we've got a great network of friends um, that all should have, you know, high goals and they're accomplishing them or if they've reached them and they're going for new goals. 
And the cool thing is, is you guys can say that because you have that work ethic. I mean, you put in hours. What did you guys do yesterday? Let's see, we got up oh, before. Man, we moved <laughs> to, to move a couple thousand. So tons of hay. So Eric was was saying that we, there was somebody coming look at this hay. So we had to get some bales moved and get it ready. And we moved uh, maybe four hundred bales, mm-hmm. four by fours. So you moved you you moved close to four hundred tons yesterday into a barn. Yeah. What time did you start? Four a.m. What time did you finish? Seven p.m. So. Having having days like that, um, instilling that work ethic and things like that. What's the transition like going to be going back to Albuquerque? It's definitely going to be different. Um, I guess I can kind of point to a similar situation whenever I got out of the military and came back. That was a, you know, a big transition um, from long hours, um, you know, sometimes weeks and weeks on end without having a day off, which is very similar to here. And then. Um, going back into, you know, regular civilian life where you've got nothing but time on your hands. Mm -hmm. And so that's probably going to be a struggle for me and Nate, just trying to stay out of trouble with all that time we got. Right. Not burn the the cash that you were able to acquire out here. I mean, they got new packs. You guys are going up uh, hiking this weekend. Yes. We're leaving on Tuesday. We're going up to the Pecos trying to catch some fish and catch some naps. Really? That's really the main point. Yeah. (laughs) So, so as you, as you look at agriculture, what, what do farmers need to do better to share what happens on a farm? The, the perception that people paint and the fact that you're working on a farm, people are painting that picture in their head of what you were doing. How do, how do, how do you describe that? How do you describe what happens on a farm? That's tough to describe everything that happens here. Honestly, I know you've been preaching this for years, but people need to get out here and, and come check it out. Come see what's going on. Come see what life is really like. And, you know, the the measures that you're taking to go sustainable, save water, grow the safest, best crop that you can possibly. I mean, you guys aren't in it for the money. I didn't even have to. I didn't even have to pay you to say that. that <laughs> wow. Actually, I, I, are you on the clock right now? Yeah. Oh, geez. I'm paying him to say that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So if, if, if we're doing all of these things and we keep having all of these conversations about what's the best thing that we can do in agriculture, Calvin, you didn't answer that. So what's your answer? I mean, what, what is, what does America's farmers and ranchers need to do to be able to tell our story? I hate saying that. Tell your story, tell your story. What do we need to do to be able to let people know that are working in a brewery in downtown Seattle Hey, what these people do is actually real meaningful and it's impacting the environment in a positive way. So one thing I think you've been, do you believe that? Yes. Okay. I absolutely believe that. Okay. And I think one thing that I've seen since I've been out here that you Jay have been doing a really good job of is with your Instagram and with your social media, because that's how everybody connects nowadays. They're on their phone, six, eight, 10 hours a day. And so by you showing people what we do here at the farm, you know, showing what you're doing, showing what the guys are doing, you know, at four o'clock in the morning, you're following the bailers around, you know, the American flags going, you're getting the good. Hey, you're excited. And so when people who are in the city can watch that, 
that's something that they've never seen before. Yeah, but they're not going to be able to have the opportunity. I mean, you look at it, I've got 47,000 followers on Instagram. And I mean, that's that's a, a large number. But at the same time, when you look at the masses, when you look at the, the the person that's going into a grocery store and actually shopping, how are they how are they going to see that? And so un, un, unless they have that connection, I'm, I'm talking about the true connection of you sitting down at a bar and having a conversation with somebody who was like, so you worked on a large farm. You know, what's what's it like working on that large farm? And, and does it have something that goes, does that fit in line with what their perception is? Or is it something they're like, oh, you know what? Crap, I need to get out there and I need to look at it. I mean, even for me, it took me coming out here and actually working to really see what it's about. And so, I mean. What would you change on the farm? Honestly, nothing. I mean, there's not one. Not a single, you're not. A, you're, it's not like I'm going to fire you because you're quitting tomorrow anyway. So <laughs> yeah, Ross is going to fire us tomorrow. Yeah. And that's the that's the one thing that Ross is so excited to do is to get to fire both of you. But not really. He's going to miss you. You guys send him that. Yeah. He sent him that video of you two crushing a beer. And oh, he yeah. was just crying. He was laughing so hard. <laughs> but so. So what do we change, Nate? I don't know if you you can change anything. Not that I've noticed. It's just it seems like it's hard to to get people all the way out here to work and to stay out here and kind of do what you need them to do. I mean, you have a great great number of people who work for you, but it's always hard to keep every person around. I guess. Well, you can't keep everybody yeah. happy. That's that's yeah. one of the biggest things, and that's totally totally understandable. I've got another I've got another question, and MJ, if you got something that fires up please by all means jump in the middle of it. Do you see yourselves coming back around into agriculture or do you see yourselves as just having an experience and and using that maybe later in life? I do. Yeah. I've so, so, so tell us what, (laughs) you know, working two and a half months with your brother-in-laws and MJ and all of the rest of us crazies. What do you see? I see a lot of happy people. A giant family. No, but I'm talking about I'm talking about your future. Oh, what do I? You're saying you're coming back into agriculture? Maybe, maybe. And what would you want to do if you came back into agriculture? You're a part of it, regardless. You're eating, so you're part of agriculture. But yeah, continue. Right. Well, I mean, I'd like to be able to use what I've learned in school to help out here. So whether it's surveying, getting into water, drip systems, water management studying the drainage basin of the area, maybe runoff, which there isn't a lot of that, but. Right. Yeah. What's runoff. Yeah. We'll get a four inch rain in about three weeks and we'll understand what runoff is here. Yeah, I held for like 30 seconds yesterday. Yeah. That's not good. The one thing that you guys are missing out on is the love hate relationship when it rains because we need it so bad, but at the same time, absolutely just sucks. You guys haven't been here for a rain. I mean, like a real rain. No, we haven't. Like the ones down in Africa. <laughs> I saw that yesterday on your Instagram. Little Toto. Mm-hmm. That was good, oh, Calvin. I saw that. And that was great. So, Calvin, do you ever see yourself going back around into agriculture? I absolutely could. Um, for the first time in a while, I really feel uh, comfortable out here on the farm. It's, um, you know, like the sense of community, the sense of family I had when I was in the military is something that I've really been searching for ever since. And being here on the farm uh, with all the great guys and girls that work here, 
has really reminded me a lot of that. And it's was probably my favorite thing about being in the military, you know, not the travel, not the flying in helicopters, shooting big guns. That stuff was all, you know, cool in the moment. But the thing that really stuck with me is the relationships you get when you work and live with people. And like over at Camp 16, everyone that we see all day at work, when we get off, we see them, you know, people are cooking outside, playing with their kids. We're getting to, you know, interact with them. Raking. Raking. You know, mm-hmm. Almost 24 hours a day. And with with that, you just get such a good sense of community. And that's really been my probably my favorite thing here at the farm. So to, to segue off of that, you talk about a sense of community. And, and one of the things that we struggle with in Dell City is when when Danny and I came in, Danny was here first. And then when I when I partnered with Danny and we started really rocking and rolling here, there's a lot of people that don't like change. Um, and I think that's in life. I think people are scared of what the future could hold and they're scared of the fact that there's failure. Us being millennials sit here today, growing up through a generation where we got a award because we participated. And our parents have done a great job of trying to ensure in us that failure is not an option, but at the same time, we don't really understand the reality of failure. And both of you are on your own. You're paying for your school. You got a GI bill, but at the same time, Nate, you're paying for your, for your school, your tens of thousands of dollars in debt. And you have no option, but to succeed because if you fail, then, then what does that leave you in life? And a lot of debt with nothing, with nothing. And so at the same time with that, if you moved back, or if you moved into a small community where people were just truly struggling with the fact that change was happening, how do you think the best way to inspire change would be? Um, by showing them that it's not a bad thing. Going out there every day, you know, making incremental changes. But if the change works to better everyone's lives, then eventually they'll adapt and go along with it. I think just with time, people come around. Change may be bad at first. Not bad, but I mean, they may think it's bad at first, but I'll come around. MJ, you've been trying to be pivotal since you've been here. Yeah. I was like, how does that equate? No, I mean, we've we've made a lot of changes. Some of it has ruffled some feathers. Um, We've lost some people over it, unfortunately. Um, The one thing that we've always done is you know, we, we try and make the change that's best for everybody, not particularly ourselves. And we keep our head up. And, you know, like Nate said, eventually people are going to see, you know, what we're doing is not, you know, it's not to benefit me. It's not to benefit Jay. It's to benefit everybody. And I think once, once people start really seeing that, they'll, they'll get on board. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's the hardest thing you guys you like outdoors. You like camping. Do you still have the same joy for being outside when you're, when it's a hundred degrees and you're digging in a hole because a gopher bit a hole through a, a piece of tape? Well, it's, first of all, it's not really drip tape. It's gopher food. It's what I've learned out here. Ah, gopher food. And so, I mean, even yesterday, I just got a small little lesson in the uh, six hours. I got to work in the Chaffee plant about how much I missed being outside. Right. They dubbed it the worst job on the farm. Stacking bags. Yes. Yeah. That's a horrible job. That's, that's why the robots coming. Yeah. That's a good call. (laughs) 
So that was that was one of my first jobs working at Onion Shed stacking bags. And uh, I tell you what, I think those are good times to have, though. I mean, you're exhausted and wore out anyways, but at the same time, the fact that you understand what different people have to go through and some people that have to feed their families, the job that they get is stacking bags, you know, on a Jaffe plant. And the value of that person is unbelievable because without that person, then the plant doesn't run. And uh, is there anything, I mean, what's the biggest thing you're going to miss? What what are you going to miss the most of leaving? Driving tractors. What's what, why do you like driving tractor? I mean, I love driving tractors too, but I mean, what about it? Man. I don't know. Everything about it. Just. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just fun. There's nothing like it. Right. And the fact that you're seeing progress, you know, it's enjoyable. It's not physical, but at the same time, it is somewhat physical. You've got to make sure that you're doing a good job so that Sunshine or Jack's not chasing you around and yelling at you. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that takes takes time to perfect. And I'm always in kind of competition with myself, trying to get better, wanting to do better, get faster, more efficient. Mm-hmm. It's kind of an ongoing thing. Kevin, what are you going to miss most? So I think the thing I'm going to miss the most is um, the challenges that have come with this every day. We've done so many different jobs here on the farm that on a daily basis, I've had to step outside of my comfort zone, which is something that Back in Albuquerque, give, you know, us, give us give us that example of stepping out of your comfort zone. Well, so like you you referenced that first day you were teaching us how to drive a semi, and you saw how nervous Nate and I both were, and I was just in the back of my head thinking, man, I hope I never have to do this again. <laughs> this is, you know, I can see a lot of things going wrong real quick, and just you know, it's not really believing in myself, but just being afraid of the semi and messing something up and disappointing you and disappointing everybody, but. Um, you know, work on the farm required that, you know, I step out there and do it again. And uh, next time got better. The next time it got better after that. And it's really been like that with a lot of things on the farm with, you know, hey, here's there's the backhoe. Go bring it over here. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to miss you're going to miss the, the challenge. Yes. Yeah. Having to step outside of my comfort zone every day because I feel like that's the best way to grow. And I feel like I've had a lot of growth out here because of that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when people are trying to work on, I think the guys and gals that are here that have made it are the people that are truly wanting to work on. When Salome got here, Salome is one of our loader and baler operators. Salome ran a rake before, hadn't run a, run a loader very much. And the guy is a super ninja on a loader. I mean, you watch him run and operate. And it's one of those guys that he's not going to sit down and tell you that he's been, you know, calculating what's the best turn to make and what's the, you know, when you hit the bell with the forks, the right angle and all those kind of things, but you can tell he's continually to, to, to be a more skilled tradesman as a loader operator. And so those challenges are, are pretty awesome. What, if you left tomorrow, MJ, what's the biggest thing that you would miss about the farm? I mean, aside from the people, you know, I'm, I'm with Calvin on it, the challenges um, so far every year has been completely different. I mean, you figure one thing out next year, it's a whole new set of problems you're trying to fix. And that that's what, that's what makes it fun and enjoyable is overcoming those challenges. Absolutely. I think if I left the farm, I think the thing that I would miss the most is the headaches. 
because it's it's that challenge. It's the we've got we've got an issue with a person or we've got an issue with a crop or we've got an issue moving water or we've got something going on like that. And it's so stimulating that it's almost overstimulating when you go home and sit down in a chair and you've just got to stare at the wall, but you don't know you're staring at the wall. Those are things that are pretty, <laughs> they're pretty impactful. And then the fact that you can drive by a field and look at what your, your hard work did. And the fact that you can see all the trucks in the field and you can see all the bales leaving and you can see the pallets of chaffee leaving. It's just, it's an amazing experience. I've got one final question for you. And if you guys have any thoughts that you want to throw in, um, after you answer the question, please do it. But Calvin, what's your biggest fear in life? I guess myself. Not living up to the expectations that I set for myself, falling into bad habits that I've had before. Um, I mean, you know, it's a daily struggle to, to make sure you're always doing the right thing, keep going forward. So I guess really, yeah, just afraid that of myself. I think the biggest thing that I want to say too about you, Calvin, is that I have enjoyed your attitude. I've enjoyed, and I've seen those days that you were tired and that you needed to get out, but you still ground through it. And I want to say thank you for breaking the stereotype that I thought was coming into the farm. And you've done, you, there is not a guy or a girl on this farm that is not going to say that they don't miss the charisma from you and, and your work ethic. Because you you brought both to the farm, and that's something that's absolutely amazing. Nate, what's your biggest fear? Failure. What does failure look like to you? Failure looks like not not completing, not eventually overcoming a challenge, an obstacle, like to say, and just not succeeding, not getting to the point in life where I want to be. But are you ever happy? Are you ever satisfied? I guess if it's material things, you'll never be happy. No, not material wise. I guess not only career wise, but personal goals, family goals, just trying to be the best person I can. Absolutely. And in the same thing, you know, Nate, I knew you had a work ethic. I watched you at a tire shop, bucking tires and keeping a positive attitude. But at the same time, the genuine questions, the no kickback, the Ross played a joke on you, not knowing that you were going to take it. Walk us through that joke. (laughs) So... This was probably like my second week here on the farm, I think. Ross calls me. He was like, Nate, I got an important job for you. I need you to get over here. He's in there setting up the new drip system in in one of the fields. So I cruise in, and they're putting in a new main water line with this runoff, like a drainage pond for all the runoff water. Um, They're putting the new pipeline in there. Ross says, hey, Nate, we dropped a valve in this four feet of muddy pit water. So I said, so I'm guessing you guys don't have a picker or something like that. He's like, yeah, that's you. That's why you're here. I was like, are you serious? Yes. So I jumped right in. He said he turned his back and Nate was already in the water. He was, he was thinking Nate was going to balk the system a little bit. He couldn't believe it. He was like, you actually jumped in there? Like I asked you if you were serious or not. That's refreshing. Yeah, it was nice. It was a hot day. <laughs> um. Not only that you're my brother-in-law, I just appreciate you. You've done a great job. And and again, just to to reiterate what I said to Calvin, the farm is going to miss the charisma. It's going to miss you. And and you guys always have a seat at the table with us. I appreciate that. I'm going to miss you and my sister, my niece and nephew a lot. It's You guys are making this hard to leave. That's what we're trying to Honestly. do. Yeah. <laughs> Tear it up. Let's go. Yeah.
Maj, anything final words for these two? No, I mean, I greatly appreciate all the, the hard work that you guys did. Uh, the laughter that you guys brought to everybody. You, know, you guys you guys definitely helped keep morale up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kept, you kept morale up. I wish you were here for oat season, but, uh, but you got to do what you do. Godspeed. God bless. Uh, looking forward to bringing in some more class A kind of people like you. And we hope that it continues to roll that way. Uh, but from all of us at the out here in the middle podcast, we just want to say thanks for what you've done. And thanks for the people that you are. And we ask that you continue to share the message of what American agriculture truly is. Thank you, Jay. You got it. Thank Have a good day. Jay.